It's time! Welcome back to another episode of Takedown Podcast with your usual crew, Ethan Hartley and Juan of Lastico here to give you the latest in the combat sports world. Let's get right into it. So, big boxing match. Over the weekend, that ended in a ferocious knockout and so bad that somebody retired a level and go into that more. Uh, well, it was for 130. Um, it was, oh man, it was WBO. It was a WBO. WBO. I forgot what uh, organization it was for the WBO belt. Um, Jamal Herring knocked out Carter Frampton in six rounds, right? Six or seven. Um, and as you said, Ethan, um, Frampton retired after the loss. But he did say, it wasn't out of nowhere, he did say before that if he loses, he's going to retire. And then after the final bell, he said, I'll man my word, basically, and he did retire. Which sucks because you know, he's a great fighter, but more of the, the story of what it was is he'd be the first Irishman to ever win three uh, titles in three different divisions. So that would have been nice if he'd beat Herring, but Herring was just way too long for him. You know, he's 5'10", Frampton's 5'5", so he's even shorter than me. Yeah, oh, that's bad. Yeah. So it really wasn't much of a contest. Um, in the sixth round, he got hit with a nasty uppercut that absolutely shocked him. <laughs> and he got saved by the bell, essentially. And then in the next round, he was just done. And the corner just threw in the towel, so it really wasn't a contest. Um, but, I mean, it sucks to see. But there's nothing but respect between the two afterwards. And... At least he gets to go out on his own terms. That's fair. That's fair. And yeah, yeah, we also have, I guess, like a like a crossing of UFC and boxing. Actually, more than expected. And the first one is that you know Francis Ngannou has appeared in multiple interviews after, obviously, you know, winning the belt against Stephen Miocic last week. And he was open to fighting some of the greatest heavyweight boxers currently in sport today you know one particular name was Tyson Fury and you know I'm all for it if that's something that Francis would like to do post MMA career if you know the stars were to align that way but you know hey it's cool to think about yeah like obviously I wouldn't want to see it now because you know the whole Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury well Right now, it's two fights, but it'll probably end up being a trilogy unless there's an absolute sweep, which I doubt there's a sweep. Even as a big Fury fan, I don't know if he could do it twice. If he does, fantastic. But obviously, Francis has to step out the way for that. And he can't just step over all of the other other heavyweights waiting for him, you know? Even if it is just an exhibition fight and not an official professional fight. So there's that, and then obviously Francis is the UFC heavyweight champion, so I mean, <laughs> that, that just complicates things. So this, if this were to ever happen, assuming it was Fury, it would be much later down the line. It still would be interesting to see, because you see Francis in the UFC just throwing absolute bombs, which reminds me of Deontay Wilder. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we also finally got to see Anthony Joshua start camp, which, you know is in boxing especially more uh real progression to something actually coming about yes when most fights you know it's just you know you start camp like that's cool but like 
especially for between these two, which has been, you know, forever. And we've talked about it multiple times. You know, the pieces are starting to come together. Yes, it's finally nice to see the heavyweight division move in some sense. You know, Eddie Hearn's the one who broke the news, if you want to call it news, that Anthony Joshua is finally in <laughs> camp um, for the fight in July. Once the hopeful date is July. Um, so that would obviously be that, that that gives us some hope. Um, you know, so the heavy speaking of the heavyweight division, actually, I know we talked about last week, uh, Dylan White and how does he fight Wilder next? Well, hold on, let me, let me pull out the quote on what he said about Wilder on Instagram. He said, "Quote: I want to punish Deontay Wilder. The coward is full of fear. Come see me, fraud clown." <laughs> 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 sounds sounds like you really want to fight him. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. It's it's hilarious, but like it's it sucks that it ha- it's happening now because there's gonna be no titles on the line for anything because obviously, like you said, the undisputed championship between we keep we keep coming back to Fury Joshua, but that's what the division <laughs> is at this point. You have to wait for them to do whatever they're gonna do. You know, Wilder has been begging forever to get a trilogy with Fury, but that's not gonna happen anytime soon. Um, so the next best thing is to fight for the interim which White has. So do we see a possibility of White versus Wilder for the interim WBC? Maybe. I would like to see it. Yeah, I mean, we talked about last week, it would be nice for Wilder to get a fight after sort of kicking the can in his last one with wearing the heavy armor that just, you know, ended up screwing him over big time. But now he's just been sort of pissing around per se and not really doing you know a whole lot to sort of redeem himself i mean this is all stuff we talked about last week but you know that's kind of where yeah that would be and a win over white would be a good way to get your name back to the alpha status because white is by no means a slouch at all he's highly ranked in basically every organization and like i said he is the wbc interim champ so no bum can hold that position yeah and did you just want to touch on any upcoming fights for, you know, this weekend? Any, you know. Yeah, well, this weekend we have a, a light heavyweight showdown. Joe Smith Jr. versus Maxim Volosov, Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern in Oklahoma. And then it just got confirmed, Devin Haney finally fighting. Um, he's one of the people to watch in the light heavyweight division, as, you know, Ryan Garcia, Loma, Lopez, all of them moving. Haney's one of the pieces. Is for the, He's the WBC title holder right now uh he's facing jorge linares may 29th in las vegas so that will be a good fight and we can finally see the division move again <laughs> that's what i'm most looking forward to is okay what's the repercussions if haney wins what if he loses you know so those are the two biggest fights coming up um besides that there's yeah. nothing much else to say that we haven't already said in terms of fights upcoming yeah and i did see that garcia and fortuna finally oh, yes. signed a battle agreement so yes yes Sounds like that's moving yeah, forward. Yeah, I forgot. So. I forgot that too, because we mentioned it last week, but we said it wasn't official. Now it's official because Garcia could have said no, yeah. <laughs> but he said yes, so that'll happen. Yeah, good for him. And you know, switching over to MMA, we you know I'm not a whole crazy fan for Bellator, but you know when Bellator puts on a fight that includes what they call their number one pound for pound fighter. I mean, of course I'm gonna watch, but Patricio Pitbull put on. A show is an, is an understatement. I mean, it, it was it was a work of art of what he got against. I believe his name was Emmanuel Sanders. Saunders. 
it was a it was a rematch, which I thought you know that makes the fight better because both have already fought each other once. You know, the line for mistakes becomes way more thin. But in all honesty, it just looked like a steamroll for Pitbull. I mean, he got him in a guillotine, and he was out cold. And you know, the one thing that I that I like that Bellator does, which is a lot different, is that their like tournaments are like more you know, hard-lined, like, you know, they, they make their own brackets and it's, they make it clear that the winner of this fight will fight the winner of this person and this person kind of thing, when, you know, in the UFC, you can kind of just speculate what they do. I, I, I like it both ways, but I think it's definitely cool that they do something different than that, you know, especially in marketing and trying to distinct themselves from being the UFC's little brother. It's cool that they put on these tournaments. They do actually have one for light heavyweight coming up very soon that's interesting so they have tournaments by weight class that yes. is actually extremely interesting yeah i don't know how it works like to get into the tournament because obviously so it's always eight fighters but there's obviously more than eight fighters in the yeah. division so i'm sure it's you know you have to hold like a certain status you know be somewhere in the rankings to where it's included i don't know if it's always the top eight every single time but that's kind of that's I know that's how they do it in terms of official brackets, but in terms of how they determine it, uh, that's totally up to them, I guess. That's actually pretty interesting. That's a, that's a good concept. I'd like to maybe we can see that in the future with other sports. That'd be interesting. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And we also saw Darren Till again. Uh, I mean, guys always getting hurt at this point. He, I mean, it's not his fault. He broke his collarbone like a week before, and he's supposed to fight this weekend against Marvin Vittori. But now Kevin Holland, of all people, has stepped in again. I mean, it's a good opportunity for Holland to step up and really, you know, redeem himself against, you know, the interesting performance against Derek Brunson. But, I mean, Vittorio's just as hard as an opponent. I mean, he, he stepped in against Sir Manson, who Darren Hill was supposed to fight. <laughs> and Vittori, you know put him down pretty easily and now you know he's number four in the division and looking to get a rematch against Adesanya which he claims he didn't he he won I think he said he didn't win but you know the they, they always say something they're like the first one wasn't real or you know both have changed a lot since then I mean Vittori's like he's easily one of the most angry guys in the UFC I mean his his tweets are just hilarious I'll, I'll find one right now <laughs> So this was after Till was already out, but it wasn't official that Vittori or Hollow would step in. And Marvin tweeted, always do my part 100% and, and these a bunch of pussies can't make it. I'm next in line for the title. Whoever has something to, to say, show the fuck up in two weeks so I can whoop your ass and shut you off for good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, and this, like, isn't anything new with Marvin Vittori. I mean, literally in, like, interviews, like, Ariel Hawani has talked about it. Like, he, he's always pissed off when they mention, like, the slightest bit of negativity towards him. And it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, that's hysterical. But it should, yeah, it should be a good fight. So that'll be exciting. And that's also on ABC, which is their, the second time they're doing this. They did this for Max Holly versus Calvin Cater in early early january yes yes early january yes we also saw news 
break that Anderson Silva is boxing Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Now, hold on, I'll let you touch more on Cesar Chavez Jr. because I don't know a whole lot about the guy, but I mean, I'm pretty sure it's like for, I don't know if it's a real match or not because Silva is 45 and I don't know if he's officially like past like the point, like maybe he's just doing like exhibitions like, like Tyson, I don't know, and you know, for something just for charity, like what Pacquiao McGregor were gonna do, but I mean, I, I don't know a whole lot about this in terms of like the boxing and what the implications are. Yeah, well, well, let me say this. When I first saw this, I thought it said Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., which I was like, what? Because he's 60. And then I saw Junior. I'm like, I'm like oh, okay, his kid. Um, but, yeah, Junior is a great boxer. He's 52-5-1 with 34 knockouts. So, yeah, exactly. So he's not like a walk in the park. Um, I think I saw the odds. Um, obviously, Junior is the, the heavy favorite, and rightfully so. Oh, rightfully yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I'm looking on BoxRec.com now, which is basically boxing official record keeper, like everything pro boxing, and they have amateur boxing stuff too. I don't see Silva on here, so I think it might just be an exhibition exhibition because usually when there is like an official pro fight, they usually have, oh, up next or whatever. So I guess not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., great fighter. Um, he's currently suspended by the Nevada and Arizona Boxing Commissions for refusing to take a drug test, so you know what that means. But, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but he's still a great boxer, um, and he comes from a line of absolutely, I mean, his father is arguably the greatest Mexican fighter of all time, easily the most iconic. So, obviously, it would hurt to lose to a non-boxer. You know, Sylvia is one-on-one in pro boxing. It's funny because he actually is on BoxRec.com. And then I would see him and he's like, unranked. His rating is like half a star. It's like, well, we know it's still Anderson Silva. So it's kind of funny to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that's a fair fight for Silva to take since it sounds like Junior can't compete in at least Arizona. Arizona, Arizona but he's 35, or... so he's definitely not young. He's uh, not young, yeah. but he's also not, you know, old. Yeah, it sounds like he could still fight if he wanted to, but I guess yeah. not taking a drug test <laughs> is valued more to yeah. him rather than getting back in the ring. Yeah, well, I guess. his last fight he won by a knockout. It was in November of last year, so he has fought somewhat recently. You know, not not too too recently, but uh, it's funny because his last two fights have been in Mexico, comparative to like basically America. Well, I mean, I get, I'm looking at it now. I guess it's been like 50-50 America and Mexico's fights. But still. Um, did, did they say where the fight's going to take place? I don't think a whole lot has been said about it in terms of a date and a place. But, I mean, that's that's they're planning on doing it. I think they did. That's Hold about on. all I've seen. I'm pretty sure they did see uh, say it. I'm not sure. June nineteenth. It's the day uh in in yep. Mexico <laughs> in uh, I don't oh, wanna attempt yeah, to pronounce this. I think. Guadara. Something oh. like that. I apologize. You know, Filipinos, I'm not fully Spanish, so I'm not very great with the vowels, but I tried my best. <laughs> 
Yeah, somewhere in Mexico, and it makes sense considering he's, you know, as we mentioned, suspended in two states and yeah. the easily the most popular states in terms of combat sports. Yeah. And now let's switch to the welterweight division, which finally got some movement, but, you know, one key person gets really screwed over right here. So... Nate Diaz is coming back. I think that's that's first what we should start off with. 16-month layoff, I believe. He'll fight Leon Edwards after Leon had his eye poke for 262, the co-made event for Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira to, in Houston. Obviously great that Diaz comes back and great that Edwards gets another fight after, shortly after, as we all know, the horrible eye poke to Bilal Muhammad. Obviously not intentional, but I mean, it's still unfortunate after, you know, the story is pretty well known that Leon hasn't fought in two years and comes back and this is the shit that happens. But he, you know, gets a crack at Nate Diaz who kind of needs the same thing. He said he wants to fight in two to four times this year and, you know, he's finally getting that start. I believe that fight is in May. I should have had that written down. But yeah, and then we also saw Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Gilbert Burns, who's just coming off his loss against Kamaru Usman in 258. Yes, 258. For 264, which will likely be headlined by McGregor and Poirier, the trilogy. We'll talk about that later. And, you know, Welterweight's known for, you know, kind of guys who are more petty and, you know, don't really take all the fights that are offered to them. And I would say the most petty guy of them all is the one that actually gets screwed over here. And that's Colby Covington, because now everybody in the division is booked at least one through five, easily one through five. So, you know, Colby's number one, Burns is number two, obviously scheduled against Steven Thompson. Leon's three, scheduled for 262. Wonder Boy's four, scheduled for 264 against Gilbert Burns. And then number five is Vicente Luque, who just fought. So what's next for Colby Covington? I mean, I you know I guess this is kind of a, a product of your your behavior. I mean, you know he doesn't get a fight, and you know he really wants a rematch, but it kind of sounds like he needs you know one more filler, and that's understandable. But you know, against who? I mean, Luque makes sense, but you know he said no to Leon, who's higher in the rankings than Luke but this is where the turbid style from Bellator might come in <laughs> oh yeah because then he, then he gets an actual yeah, yeah. opponent but now and, and you know it's it's clear to see but now it's just you know he's he's sitting around and not doing anything for you know at least a couple months longer unless he unless he finally gives in and says all right I'll fight some the number six or seven guy, which I don't know off the top of my head, but, you know, to him at this point, or beforehand, was irrelevant. But now, you know, he has to consider his options because, you know, the UFC kind of holds the power. I mean, you, you if you say no and want to pat around, they'll just, they'll just schedule everybody else in a quick fashion. And that's what they did. I mean, this was in a week after, you know, he said no to Leon and this and that. We also saw... McGregor Poirier three gets scheduled, sort of. Poirier has agreed. Obviously, it was McGregor who asked for this trilogy, and that's what he wanted next. So it was kind of more on Poirier to sign his bout, and he did. 
for July 10th, 264. They haven't announced the date, but I'm sure that's going to have fans because McGregor is obviously a guy who wants fans. He's, you know, kind of like Nate Diaz and Masvidal who will really only take fights if, you know, you know, they kind of sat out during the pandemic because there were no fans and things are kind of more relied on, you know, you're up and coming rather than taking money fights. You know, great to see. And I think this, you know, obviously trilogies in general hold the most weight, but I think this goes to another level when you talk about, you know, who could win, who could lose. Like, Poirier took this fight because of money rather than fight for the lightweight cha- the lightweight belt when he, I mean, he easily could, easily could have. He should have, he probably was the number one guy considered and he chose to fight McGregor, you know. And while that makes all the sense, you know, you lose and now you fall out of that and you, di- and you didn't even get a shot. Now, McGregor, on the other hand, he wins, probably probably gets a title shot or at least someone like Justin Gaethje. I mean, we'll see what the UFC chooses to do with him. He was kind of the... Similar to Kobe Covington, not that he chose to say no to all these guys, but that's kind of just how the scheduling worked. There was going to be an odd man out. Rafael Dos Santos makes a lot of sense, but nothing has really gained on that. But let's say McGregor loses. Let's talk about, you know, how much weight does he actually hold now? I don't know. It's, like, interesting to weigh who has the most to lose and who has the most to gain. From a winner loss, I don't know how it wasn't the champion, um, or at least fighting for it rather, because he dominated. Eh, he dominated. He didn't want to say dumb. He he handled McGregor pretty handily. So yeah. you take the money fight, fine. Okay, I get it. But it's like as a competitor, do not want to go for the belt. Um, but with McGregor, what do you do? Because that's two losses in a row now. Sure, Poirier, like I said, is one of the great one of the greater fights fighters in the division. But what happens? Because you lose to him twice. The tri- trilogy's over. Yep. And there's solid what three, four people who have legitimate claim to be to fight for the championship, and he kind of falls out of that picture. He's borderline in the picture now, after losing the second one, because he didn't fight in more than a year. And it was against Stroney, who was kind of a... It was it was also in a different weight class. It was at 170. And it was against Stroney, who's, you know, more on the back end of his career. It was more of just, you know, a fight that makes sense. And that was coming... And that was his first fight since fighting Habib and fighting Mayweather. Jeez. Like, his, his traction has really slowed down in terms of how often he's fighting. Which is why I said that this fight is much closer than people like to say. I mean, you know, they're the casual fans who know McGregor but don't know Poirier. So when Poirier won, they were like, oh my God, Poirier upset McGregor. It's like, no, this was like neck and neck. You know, we we didn't know the Conor McGregor we were going to see. And we didn't see one that really adjusted. I mean, he, he says he was mainly scared. He was mainly training for a Pacquiao charity fight. And, you know that changed his stance and we saw that. I mean, the light kicks destroyed him. (laughs) But in terms of, you know, 
what kind of McGregor we see. I mean, uh, it, it'd be cool to see the same McGregor we saw when he fought Diaz for the second time and came back and won, you know, re-entered himself in the picture. But, I mean, Poirier's no guy to mess with, and, you know, neither was Nate Diaz. But, you know, a lot will be on the line for this more than just, you know, it's a money fight and, you know, it's kind of a Don't get me wrong. I wish I could see the, the, the Notorious back, but if he loses, I just don't know what happens. Yeah, I mean, he's he's borderline in the picture with that loss, and like I said, how often he's fought, and if he loses again, he's got a long way to go if he, if he really wants to continue making a push for, you know, a second reign in the lightweight division, but I mean, we if, if he loses, we could also see, you know, the trilogy with Nate Diaz, people have been asking for that for a long time, they're, they're still talking shit on Twitter, Every, every so often, you know, trying to keep the hype alive, I guess. But you know, this is pretty big for McGregor, and I don't, I don't think, you know, casual fans will always just think, oh my God, Conor McGregor, but don't really, you know, see the, the antics into it. But you know, the more into it fans kind of get it, and you know, like I said, there's a lot. It's a crossroads. It's a crossroad for him. Essentially, yeah. yeah. And it's not just like, you know, old versus new, but, you know, lightweight division is most stacked and, you know, it's, that's how tough it is. I mean, one, one loss and you're, you're out for a while. And just to touch on, actually, before touching on last other fights, this morning, I did see that, according to Ariel Hawani, that UFC wants to move forward with Francis and... Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis, and they attempted to for June 12th, but they could not get that done. Kind of doesn't fit with Francis's timeline just because he fought not too long ago and Derek fought, you know, a little bit earlier. But it was interesting to see that they were scheduling that instead of waiting for Jones, which, you know, you could have saw either of them doing. But, I mean, they'll probably try again in August or September, and, you know, the opponent will be interesting if they can ever get over the issues with John Jones, but let's let's play let's play a quick guessing game here. John Jones recently came out with the amount of money that he wanted. Guess how much that is? Ten million. Higher. Not or even lower? close. Higher. Twenty. Yep. Big twenty million dollars. Now no one gets paid anywhere near that. He said eight to ten million is way too small. And it was funny because Derek Lewis tweeted, "Shit, I'll do it for eight million. And I think anyone, you know, for the pay that it is in the UFC, we've talked about that before. I think anyone would do any fight for eight million dollars. But apparently Jones feels otherwise, and he wants twenty million. Does the UFC ever cave to his knees? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, they 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 hold a lot of power. It's, you know, we kind of see in other sports, you know, more players getting a say, and you know, that kind of drives up market value. But in the UFC, it's really hard to get your way, especially when you're asking for that much money, which is unheard of in this sport. Dude, I'd fucking fight him for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. No. Granted, you know, how, how bad my hospital bill is going to be. You know, that's the real question. If it's not that bad, then okay, I'll take a lower amount. But what's, what's the highest payout in UFC history? 
Probably Conor McGregor, one way or another. Yeah, that makes sense, probably. It's like Floyd Mayweather. Uh, yeah. I'll look it up. Highest payout in UFC history. UFC highest paid fighters. Here's a list. For a single Fox fight. Scores. For a single fight. Here it says McGregor has been paid the most by the UFC boss, Dana White, earning $13 million in paychecks. His career. Yes. Now one fight. Okay, so hold on. Jones wants more than McGregor's made in his whole career for one fight. Essentially. That's all right. <laughs> That's, oh, let me, all right. That's like, I don't know. Ryan Fitzpatrick asking for a max contract. That was bad. Here's Bleach Report for highest single. Five biggest cash grab fights in UFC history. Need numbers. Okay, well, of course this shows McGregor-Floyd, which isn't a real UFC fight. Oh my god, I just looked up the highest uh, payouts for, in boxing. Guess what the highest is? Well, well I'm sure the market is way more insane yeah, for that. Well, I- I don't, I don't think it's McGregor Floyd. It is. Yeah. Really? Now, obviously, it's Floyd, but guess how much it was. I'm trying to. I'm trying to do math because in those press conferences, I remember. I remember McGregor saying, "I'm making quadruple the amount I've made so far." I want to say around. Floyd probably got paid oh, more, yeah. not not only for winning, but just in terms yeah, of the I'm saying, like, how much saying Flo- how much Floyd how much, how much Floyd, Floyd got paid. Connor got paid. Probably Floyd got a hundred million. Connor got eighty five. Floyd oh. got two hundred seventy five. <laughs> the next closest one was uh, Floyd versus Pacquiao. Pacquiao actually got more. Oh no, sorry, Floyd got more. One eighty. And Pacquiao got 120. I mean, the money in boxing is just insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, could 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 UFC ever compete no, with that? Absolutely not. If Connor's made 13 million in his career, absolutely not. Yeah, I found a list on some UK website. It says McGregor's made 12. I can't find a date. Oh wait, no. Since 2013. Wow. Oh no, wait, no, no, no. That's when McGregor. That's when McGregor joined. The date of the article is what I want. I can't find it. So many ads. Like, why? Regardless, it's, such a it's just a stupid price. Like, it's stupid. Yeah. 
Highest paid UFC fighters, McGregor, 12. Overeem, 8. That's a little surprising. Uh, Habib, 8. Anderson Silva, 8. Michael Bisping, 7. St. Pierre, 7. John Jones, 6.5. Mark Hunt, 6. Cerrone, little under 6. Cormier, 5.7. Junior Dos Santos, 5.5. So on, so on. And I that's mean, career. career. A lot. Jesus yep. Christ, that's 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 pretty low <laughs> in comparison, obviously, oh, yeah. to boxing in general. I'm fucked up. You kidding me? That's crazy. And that's usually why you see a, a lot more UFC fighters do like outside sponsorships compared to Floyd, who probably does little to none because he doesn't have to. No, he will because he's all about the money. <laughs> His nickname is Money. First is Pretty Boy, but now it's Money. Uh, that, that that pay disparity. I mean, I, I knew it was huge because I I kind of I faintly remember hearing, you know, Floyd McGregor earnings. Is that like, like how much do you think Joshua and Fury will individually get paid? Wow. Uh, <laughs> probably around. Well, it depends. If it happens during, like, the, if it happens, like, in Texas, you know, obviously where everything's going to be open, then there's a shit ton of money. But if it's, like, in Dubai, probably still the same, but it really depends on the world economy at that point and how everything's going. But it definitely will be up there in all time. It has to be undisputed heavyweight championship. Come on. Wow. What about, like, average? So, like, let's say uh, Garcia's next fight. Well, no matter what, because Garcia's also a grab for it. You know what I'm saying? It's, hard, it's tough to say because yeah, he's yeah. one of the more popular in the sport. But I, that's what I'm, I'm looking up right now. Average pay boxing. Let's see. Okay, so in 2018, the average pro boxer, 35000 Obviously, that's nothing crazy, but if you're talking about elite, elite, because I'm trying to see how much Call of Frampton got paid for this last fight, because that'll give you good perspective. Yeah, yeah, something that includes like a belt, because you know, like you said, average includes everything top to bottom. Yeah. So. Let's see. Oh my gosh. So I'm curious, like if if. You know, Derek Lewis makes eight hundred, or excuse me, Francis Agano makes eight hundred thousand, and that's just a guess. I, I don't know the exact number. It makes eight hundred thousand from this last title fight in the most popular division in the UFC. What's that equivalent to? How much? All right, how much did White make in his last in his last fight? I think I think that's a good good yeah, one to be fair. It's tough because I don't see numbers. How much boxing racks have this? Okay, hold on. Tell me my net worth. I got me scouring the internet for this. <laughs> okay, so for comparison. Oh, wait, hold on. For earnings. Okay, so the last fight that they just had? Four million. Which is a third of Conor McGregor's full career ever. <laughs> for an interim heavyweight championship. Wow. I mean, it, it makes sense, but it also, like, doesn't. Like, obviously, fighters in UFC are underpaid, but 
But that's just crazy. You know, the the yeah, the boxing market is huge. Jesus. And it, it's always been because it's been around way longer. Yeah. Interesting. Jesus Interesting. Christ. But yeah, uh, well, in the episode, I'll just name uh, some big upcoming fights that they just announced. Uh, Cyril Gan versus Alexander Volkov, both coming off wins in, I believe, February. I think both were in February. I don't remember. But they're scheduled, I believe that's June, June or July. Obviously, that could really open up another contender for heavyweight if they even fight for the title by then, which is unlikely, but, you know, at least they're trying to make things work. You know, they're they're not kind of just continuing to wait on John Jones, like, you know, what could have been seen realistically, but good to see that both of those guys are continuing to keep the ball moving in heavyweight. We also saw Danny Ige, who had that crazy knockout against Gavin Sucker couple weeks ago fighting the Korean zombie who's coming off his last loss to uh, Ortega that was I think November or October somewhere around then and then we saw Blom Muhammad get scheduled after like you already mentioned really bad eye poke against the legend Damian Maya for 263 headlined by I believe that's Figueredo versus Moreno 2 if I'm remembering correctly oh they also just announced Ultimate Fighter coming back, and the coaches are Ortega versus Volkanovski, which, you know, actually makes a lot of sense considering first one got canceled by COVID, and Volkanovski is still dealing with COVID. He actually tweeted that, that shit's no joke. Hopefully people understand that by now, but, you know, the world that we live in. And, yeah, that's about it. Pretty pretty excited. It's, it's kind of... The, the one thing I love about the sport is when they, like, start scheduling things. And, you know, that's kind of the reason why I enjoy not having, you know, like, an official set bracket in the UFC. Just because, like, when you hear them schedule, it's like, oh, shit, we got, a, we got a banger or something like that. When, you know, like, when you see a bracket, you see, okay, this guy's fighting this guy. And then the hype is kind of, like, dialed down a little bit. I mean, it's cool to see, like, a distinct opponent, but, like... I don't know. I, I like it both ways for their own in, individual reasons. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, that's all we got for this week. Pretty good episode. Got through a lot from Ethan Harley and Holden Velasco. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening.